Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And now the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, T-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Don't believe me? Well, consider these facts. We believe you. <laughs> we believe you. All right. My goodness. Ah, love gov. Face coverage. <laughs> Your Ben Jarosky show for Wednesday, May 19th is just moments away. But before we do this, we need to thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, our sponsors, as well as the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what to smoke, and so much more. Even how to think politically with columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky and Maya Dukmasova. And uh, yeah, you can buy stuff from there as well, from the commercial you just heard. Also, ChicagoReader.com slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. There, not only will you find our endless archive of episodes, over 1,000, you will also be able to be uh, become a bin head. That's what we call subscribers of this show. Become a bin head. You can either be in the alley, the avenue, or the boulevard. Find out more information, chicagoreader.com slash Jarofsky. And the Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Wednesday, May 19th, and live from my apartment in his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, WVON host Atiba Buchanan and Tom Shuba. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Mayor May I Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday. And here's why. Got the news last night in a text from Ramana Hussein. Yes, Ramana Hussein. Uh, guest on the show almost every Friday. She tells me, Ben, I know you hate Twitter, which is true. Classic case of my younger friends looking out for me, sending the old guys the news bits that are breaking. Everyone's talking about on Twitter, but I don't see it because I'm not on Twitter. It's a town full of civilization, people. <laughs> oh, whenever I do that, young people go, oh, my God. Anyway, Romana sends me a link to a tweet from Mary Ann Ahern, distinguished and legendary political reporter from NBC. And it says, and I quote, <clears throat> as Mayor Lightfoot reaches her 
two-year midway point as mayor, her spokeswoman says Lightfoot is granting one-on-one interviews only to black or brown journalists. And a quote, ladies and gentlemen, that would exclude me as I'm neither black nor brown. So I'm going to say I'm not a journalist, but that's a whole other issue. Ladies and gentlemen, not proud of my immediate reaction upon reading uh, what Ramana sent me. No, I'm not proud of it at all. And I wouldn't mention it at all, except I'm kind of like that Jim Carrey character in Liar, Liar, which is one of the greatest movies of all time, by the way. I am compelled to tell the truth. Why, just this morning, Dennis said to me, hey, Ben, what do you think of my beard? (laughs) And I said, shave that shit off. You look like a freaking hippie. None of this actually happened. Yeah, watch your mouth, please. (laughs) By the way, I had that gag written in the script. And when we began the show, I look at D. He had shaved his, trimmed his beard. He's looking very handsome, ladies and gentlemen. I saw that look you were giving me yesterday. Like, oh boy, I guess I should shave. Looked like Man Mountain Mike yesterday, but today it's looking distinguished. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yes. Lori Lightfoot's pronouncement that from here on out, she's only given one-on-one interviews to black or brown journalists. My immediate reaction, which I'm a little embarrassed to admit, was who wants to talk to her anyway? She's got nothing enlightening to say. And think about it, folks. You've heard Mayor Lori Lightfoot interviews. I know some of you out there really love Mayor Lori Lightfoot. I know my Northside listeners love her very much. And I, I get that. I get that not everybody agrees with me. Not everybody sees eye to eye with me. But even Northside listeners, even my Northside, I oh, love it when my guests join me. Even my Northside listeners who love Lori Lightfoot, ask yourself this. Have you ever listened to a Lori Lightfoot interview and walked away saying, you know, I've seen the world in a different way. Like consider an interview with, I don't know, Troy LaRabier or Stacey Davis Gates or David Ferris, just to name three of my favorites who come on my show all the time. These are original thinkers who openly discuss what's on their mind. You listen to them and you go, you know, I may not agree with them, but I hadn't thought of the world that way. No, with the mayor, it's spin, 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 and more spin, as if everything she says is calculated to make her look right, even when she's wrong. By the way, this is not unique to Mayor Lightfoot. This is the way our mayors behave. It was worse by far, in my humble opinion, with Mayor Rahm. Everything Rahm said was calculated to achieve a greater goal, which is to promote Rahm. Dennis distilled a Rahm comment to this. I am smart, you're not. And Daly, Mayor Daly. Well, I'll give Daly this much. It was so always sort of an interesting adventure talking to Daly. Like, where is he going to go? Is he going to get through this sentence without crashing? Or is he going to threaten to stick a bayonet up McDougie's ass? Yes, he did that once, ladies and gentlemen. Mostly Mayor Daly just filibustered when he was asked a question by a reporter. He just babbled away. He didn't know what he was talking about. So he just gave up waiting for an answer. People of Chicago loved him even more for that. They would tell me, Ben, stop criticizing Mayor Daly. He cares about us. He loves Chicago. The mayor's pronouncement that she will only speak to black or brown reporters doesn't really affect me anyway. Most mainstream pals wouldn't go anywhere near the Ben Jarofsky show. We are a little bit too much of the leftist persuasion, occupying a part of Chicago that I lovingly call lefty town. By the way, talking to a mayor is no fun. They got like a million handlers who want to know every detail of the interview. We'll get a call from a mayoral handler. Uh, what time will it start, Ben? Uh, how long will it go? What questions will you ask? Yes, they want to approve the questions. Mayor Ron was the absolute worst at this. 
his handler, the only time I ever reached out to Mayor Ron for an interview, his handler goes, uh, Ben, you cannot ask him that. Some question, who cares what it was? Doesn't matter. I'm like, what? You're trying to tell me what I can ask them? He wasn't even the mayor then. He was running for mayor. Uh, no, that's uh, a no dealer. That'll break the deal. Deal breaker, if you ask that question. So, of course, I asked him. I had to ask him, and he hung up on me. Because <laughs> here's the deal, folks. If you tell any self-respecting reporter not to ask a mayor something, that self-respecting reporter, no matter what race, creed, or color, is going to make a point of asking the mayor the question. We don't get much out of this profession. Certainly, we don't get a lot of money, but we do want to keep our self-respect. Anyway, I noticed that Lori Life was trying to put the best spin possible on this breaking news. She tweeted out that she's not really banning interviews with white reporters, only giving preferential treatment to reporters of color. So she's doing it because when she got to City Hall, she was shocked, shocked, I tell you, to see a room full of white people at press conferences. And the time has come, she says, to diversify the press corps. Madam Mayor, I'm with you 100% on this. Absolutely. I cheer your efforts to do what you can to diversify the city hall press corps. And if this means that people like me cannot get one-on-one interviews with you here, here, even though I didn't want the interview in the first place. And I am not repeat, not going to say you're only doing this to look hip and woke to cover up your opposition to elected school board and police oversight boards and your handling of the Edgenet young case and all those embarrassing emails that have been released through the hacks. I'm not going to say that mayor, even though I just did. But Madam Mayor, if you want to diversify Chicago, why stop with the press room? You know what is even whiter than the City Hall Press Corps? Your economic development program. All that TIF money that's supposed to go to poor blighted communities. Most of it goes to developing white ones. It's true, Madam Mayor. You may not realize this because you're so busy dealing with those hacked emails, but you got $1.3 billion going to Lincoln Yards alone. That's an almost all-white, fastly gentrifying Northside neighborhood. Doesn't need the money in the first place. And it's getting more money than pretty much any West or South or South Side neighborhood put together. So as long as you're pushing for diversity, how about pushing for some economic diversity? How about giving some of the green to the black and brown people of Chicago? Hmm. That just may be a little too much diversity for any mayor, no matter how woke. We got a great show today, everybody. Tom Shuba. Yes, that Tom Shuba. We talk about him on the show all the time in terms of his reefer coverage, but he's not here to talk about reefer. He's here to talk about the hacked emails. I got it all. Folks, I've been all over this hacked email story, reading it, obsessing about it, talking about it. Tom Shuba is going to take us from A to Z. He's been covering this uh, story for about two, three weeks now. And next week, as I promised, Freddie Martinez, I don't think he calls himself a hacker. He doesn't want to be known as a hacker. Let's just call him an activist. Uh, but he was the guy who got uh, who assembled most of these emails in the first place. He'll be coming on as well. Face covering. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky show live from his attic. My next guest is someone who doesn't. I uh, want a mayor who talks real tough and doesn't fall in line. A fearless reporter. Uh, for the Chicago Sun-Times, my beloved bright one, home delivery every day. Uh, Tom Shuba, uh, welcome to the show, young Tom. I'm glad to be back, man. It's been it's been a while. It has been a while. Uh, so back in the day, when Dennis and I did our show from the Sun-Times studio before COVID, we'd see Tom 
walking through the hallway. Oh, guy was always on a freaking phone or if he was on the sidewalk, he'd be pacing, always working on a story. A lot of them were reefer generated. So we gave him the nickname Tommy Two Joints because he was always breaking reefer stories. Uh, but you've diversified your portfolio a little bit, Tom, in the last uh, several months. You're all over the map. Talk a little bit about sort of what, before we get to the specifics of the hacked emails, what sort of your job is like now as a general assignment reporter? I mean, it could be anything, you know, like uh, you could be covering a bond hearing one day for, you know, one of the far too many violent crimes that happens in the city. Um or uh, you know, covering a march like I was at the the the, the Palestinian uh, march on Sunday. So you know, you, you get you get tossed in a lot of directions, but it's a it's a great way to learn as a you know a young reporter. Yeah, well, you were also at the uh, Rod Blagojevich uh, extravaganza, which I recall when Rod was uh, campaigning for Donald Trump. I think it was a Trump Tower. That was a classic Tom Shuba general assignment of story. Uh, we're not going to talk about it. We talked about it enough at the in real time. That was one of my favorite ones of uh, recent months. What I've been obsessing over, Tom, is something that you've been obsessing over. Uh, and I already announced Freddie Martinez will be on the show next week. Uh, he'll be on the show next Tuesday to talk about it. And that is the hacked emails. Uh, the emails showing uh, private uh, online conversations between various mayoral aides and the mayor uh, in which they reveal what they really think about issues as opposed to what the mayor tells us. Uh, and it's always interesting to see uh, <laughs> what they really think because then you realize how much you're just spoon fed. This is me speaking, not Tom Shuba. Uh, so, Tom, why don't you start at the top? How did you uh, stumble upon uh, these emails? Because I give you credit in the story I wrote, the column I wrote about it today. Uh, you're one of the arguably t- first reporters, either you or Jim Daly, to reveal them, as far as I know, from a mainstream newspaper. So, uh, talk yeah. about how you came about them. So, you know, I just. Uh... I don't know if I saw what they were released last month, uh, online. And, uh, so I saw something either from, so the, the group that released it is called, uh, DDoS secrets. Um, and your future guest, Freddie Martinez is on the board for DDoS secrets, but so DDoS secrets kind of released this huge cache of emails, uh, in, in a somewhat, uh, tough to access format. So uh, when I saw something about a tweet related to this, uh, I immediately, uh, you know, went, went about like downloading the emails, uh, which was kind of a labor intensive process. Um, Lucy Parsons labs. So that another nonprofit that, that Freddie uh, runs from Chicago wound up kind of making these emails searchable and, and easier to access. But, at the time when they first came out, it was kind of this uh, process of downloading them and then finding a way to share them. But so, uh, ostensibly, what happened was uh, there was, and I think you kind of have to look look at this from the context of kind of what's happening across the country, right? There's been a lot of these high profile what they call ransomware attacks. So basically, uh, attacks where uh, hacker groups basically take it. Uh, you know, infiltrate a system, take information, and then hold it for ransom uh, as, you know, extortion sort of stuff. Um, and that, that, that's kind of what happened here. So uh, there was a, there was a, 
firewall vendor by the name of Excelion that has this really dated file sharing platform. And uh, this prestigious uh, law firm called Jones Day um, used was you know among the different entities that used the service and that were affected by this. Um, Jones Day has represented the city, uh, and it also represented like President Donald Trump. It's a it's a really prestigious, high profile law firm. Um, but how they were helping the city was they were collecting all of this information related to the Antoinette Young uh, wrongful raid. You know, in 2019 when police officers burst into her house uh, and it was this humiliating raid that was caught on body camera footage. Um, so there's, you know, there's a lawsuit pending and Jones Day was helping kind of collect information as it related to that. Um, the information that they collected, you know, included this huge cache of emails from different city employees. Um, and it was apparently kind of, swept up during one of these data breaches of Excelion, of this file transfer service. Um, they're not the only, you know, there's a lot of, you know, you have Shell Oil, you have Stanford University, you have, uh, you know, State of Washington. So a lot of different entities were, like, affected by these, these series of data breaches. But uh, as it relates to Chicago, yeah. So it, it, it wasn't a, a hacking of the city's systems. It wasn't, uh, you know, it was kind of this weird, circuitous way that, that this information was taken and put online. So it was actually hacked by, you know, the group that's taking credit for it is named CLOP, which is, you know, just a great, uh, great branding there. Um, and it's like, you know, in some ways it's spelled like C- uh, number one, zero, P. But what cybersecurity experts say is that, like, CLOP is likely, you know, from the former Soviet Union. And, uh, you know, that seems to be the case with a lot of these big ransomware attacks recently. We're, like, basically, from what I understand, why doing this out of the former Soviet Union is uh, attractive is because those governments aren't really prone to go after uh, hackers as long as they're not like hacking domestically mm -hmm. so they kind of have carte blanche um from what i understand so uh you know clop takes these emails they put them onto the dark web they threaten we're going to make these public if you don't pay a ransom apparently jones day didn't pay apparently well lightfoot has said the city didn't pay and so what happens is they dump the emails then and uh you know, Freddie's group, DDoS Secrets, uh, I think knowing this is a trend, uh, trolls through the dark web for these sorts of things so they can do these data releases. They've, you know, in the wake of this, it seems like Emma Best, who's, uh, you know, a journalist and a member of uh, DDoS Secrets, has been collecting the uh, Attorney General's office emails that have been leaked online as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm sh I don't know what the plan is for releasing that sort of stuff, but yeah, this is kind of part of a larger trend. Um, so we started going through the emails and trying to identify stories and, you know, it's, it's a daunting task, you know, thousands and thousands of emails in different folders. And a lot of them have attachments and, you know, a lot of them are just incredibly 
but no. Just like, uh, you know, like how, you know, the the mayor's office press staff responding to inquiries about, you know, stories that weren't really that interesting to begin with. But, you know, when you're going through this sort of stuff, you quickly learn that, like, kind of some of the best details are just tucked in random sentences. So you're left to kind of read through all of this, just like uh, not too sexy correspondence. Um, but, uh, so we were going through the emails and, uh, you know, we were trying to tee up some stories and, um, Jim Daly from Southside Weekly, uh, winds up publishing a story pulled from the, pulled from the emails, uh, about Lightfoot kind of quietly, uh, pushing for qualified immunity for, uh, police officers, um, which is obviously a hot topic right now as, uh, you know, in the wake of the George Floyd death, where, you know, I think it's uh, viewed by advocates as kind of an accountability dodge uh, that, you know, gives cover to, to bad police, possibly. Um, so he did this story about that, and apparently the email had some sort of document that was prepared that had, uh, you know, detailed a half billion dollars and misconduct uh, settlements or uh, rulings from 2009 to 2019. Um, the story didn't really, you know, it goes into what was in the email and details that really well, but it, it only kind of passively noted that, you know, this came from an email leaked by, uh, by DDoS secrets, you know. Um, when, when we saw that come out, though, we kind of were like, all right, well, we kind of got to kick our reporting the kind of high gear on this with what we have. This is going to be um, so, you know, we had started to kind of, we had spoken to the law department, uh, weeks earlier when the hack first happened and talked to them about like kind of the nitty gritty of it and, and gotten some impression of, of their side on it. Um, but so at this point when the Southside Weekly story comes out, we're like, okay, well, we got to start asking direct questions about this stuff. Um, I asked the mayor's office and the police department some, some questions about a story I was working on. And uh, the next day I get a call from the law department. They basically say, you know, we're not going to answer your questions. And in a half hour, we're going to put out a news release kind of acknowledging, publicly acknowledging the hack for the first time. Um, so, you know, the, this stance, they've taken, they've, they've, they've continued taking the stance that they're not going to comment on the contents of the hacked emails. Um, that's obviously, you know, poses some challenges from a reporting perspective when you're trying to, A, you know, confirm the veracity of the emails and B, uh, you know, get the city side and some impression and clarity on, on what was being discussed. Um, but regardless of that, we just kind of, <laughs> just kind of kept going and, and have, have have published a handful of stories and it seems some other outlets have, have jumped up. Well, I, I, I'm going to uh, give you credit for uh, uh, the most important contribution to this. In my humble opinion is that first article you wrote just laid out what you just said. And thank you for repeating it. Just clarify. Cause this is a very complicated story. A lot, a lot of moving parts if you just jump into it. It's like jumping into a, a, a stream that's moving. You know what I mean? It's constantly moving. So you don't know where you are in it. Uh, so you have to start with the uh, clop and, uh, 
uh, targeting Jones Day and then just part of that discovery or the group of emails that they probably didn't think is were relevant having to do with Chicago. It's, you know, it's buried within thousands, thousands, maybe even millions of emails having to do with corporate mergers and acquisitions, something that most Chicagoans don't care about unless they're obsessed with the business world. Uh, and then, you know, that's dumped on the dark web and then Freddie Martinez and the hacktivists get at it and sift through it. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of names. There's a lot of acronyms. There's a lot of explanations to do, you know, like older readers don't know what the dark web is and they don't really know what like, uh, you know, like the hacktivist world. Think about it, Tom. There's two names for the groups that hacked into the emails. I mean that that not not hacked into emails, but sorted through them and made sense of them. Right. So then you got to explain Lucy Parsons, and then you have to explain the the denial of secrets group. But it's just a lot. Yeah, there. You know, it's 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 convoluted, and um, <laughs> for sure. And I think like you know, being clear about what exactly happened was was uh, was important. You know, because inevitably in this situation the uh, you know officials that were kind of victimized by this thing uh are going to want to frame this in a certain way you know and 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 lightfoot certainly has done that you know and and you know in her first public comments about this she she you know raised the possibility that like we can't confirm the authenticity yeah. of any of these emails you know raising the specter that they're just were, you know, someone made up, you know, potentially thousands of emails, you know, that we, we won't, we can't, we can't confirm any of them. So then yeah. that, you know, tacitly just means, oh, well, then potentially they're all fudged or fake or whatever. Um, and, you know, she, they said these emails were stolen, you know, illegally obtained and uh, we won't comment on them. So, you know, uh, from our perspective, you know, like indeed they were illegally obtained, but the means for which they were posted online uh, are constitutionally protected, you know, and there has been, you know, a precedent here in the past of journalists, you, you know, using hacked emails to uh, you know, basically do transparency journalism. Well, well, if they were to make this a movie, uh, and like the modern day equivalent of all the president's men, which I don't know if you ever saw, but it had to do with Watergate it came out in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. I actually just rewatched all the president's men like a month or two ago. It's um, great, great flick. But yeah. just imagine this. So young Tom Shuba would be played by the, I don't know who would play, who would, who would be the actor that would play Tom Shuba? I'm trying to think of a young actor. Maybe the guy that's right now a mayor of East Town. He's on my mind right now. So he would play you. And then there would be the old wise editor who would be played by um, uh, Jeff Bridges. And he would say, son, mayor said those emails, we can't uh, determine if they're accurate or not. Or they've been fabricated or they're real. So we can't run with this. So what would young Tom Shuba say to the editor who is picking up the mayor's line that I mean, I'll say this, that, you know, we, you know, vetted this with our attorneys and have been careful about the stories that we're doing. Um, And I, and, you know, somebody, but uh, I think from the start, the, uh, the impression was that like, 
we, we have a right to do these stories, you know, and that doesn't mean that we're just blindly going in and picking out emails and randomly just like slapdash throwing stories all about them. Like there's been calculation and behind the scenes efforts to, uh, you know, confirm details with, uh, every one of these stories that I've worked on, you know, so, you know, there's, uh, while this is uncharted territory, the, the practice of journalism isn't. And so, you know, those sorts of instincts, I think, you know, just kick in and, and at the sometimes kicked in at the top levels. And that was kind of encouragement. Like, how do, how do we ensure that, you know, you know, this is all, I think, I think the feeling, it, once you start going through these emails, you're like, well, like there's so much, so much like shorthand and so many acronyms and like yeah. the style of how they're produced. And like, it's, you know, okay. Yeah. So I think the impression was like, yeah, these, these on the surface appear to be real, you know, or like search your own name and compare the emails in there to the email that you've sent from your own email inbox, you know, like stuff simple as that. But yeah, I think like there's definitely been trying to go, another step. So, well, the, 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 the these, there's a, a revelations on a number of fronts uh, that I find fascinating, Tom. So the one revelation is the one that, uh, that you and the other uh, uh, journalists like uh, from this uh, Southside Weekly or the Tribune Block Club, that's where you look for specific quote unquote newsworthy uh, bits. So where the mayor is making uh, some kind of statement behind the scenes in an email to an aide, let's say on her policy on police immu- immun- immunity, that's different than her public. That's her public statement. That's a news story. Or if there's a detail about uh, crashes in police chases that we didn't know about, that's a news story. Then there's just sort of, which to me, uh, I find interesting. I don't know if anybody else does revelations about how the mayor's press handlers deal with quote unquote the truth. So a reporter will come in with a very specific question about XYZ in the news and it will go through a whole process, Tom, where the mayor will farm it out or not the mayor, but the initial uh, press handler who gets the query will farm it out to this aide, And then that aide will be brought in. And the next thing you know, you have an email chain of like a half a dozen uh, mayoral aides commenting on, on how you should spin it best. And no one's talking on the record, by the way, you know what I'm saying? It's all like, so they'll come, yeah. they'll craft by committee, a response, which will be then sent to the inquiring reporter as this is remotely resembling truth. This, this is Ben, not Tom speaking from the mayor who ran on a platform of being utterly transparent as opposed to the last mayor who was not transparent, but also ran on a platform of being utterly transparent. It's, it's funny, like, going through these emails as, like, a Chicago journalist, because, like, a, a good portion of this stuff that's in these emails is literally only of interest to Chicago journalists. Like, like those sorts of interactions and the power dynamics and, you know, like, you know, one thing that I think, like, pops up that, like, like Chicago reporters are aware of, you know, is, like, the... the, the the role of consultants and stuff. So you see Joanna Klonsky like popping in and out of these things. And she's like, you know, uh, a high powered, you know, public relations official who's, you know, represented some of the most powerful people in the city. Um, 
so yeah, like seeing those dynamics and yeah, and seeing how some of these things are crafted or uh, you know how you know the methods of obfuscation. But at the same time, you also see interactions among the you know uh, press staff where you you see uh, employees who like independently are working really hard to be transparent and and to uh, provide. Uh, thorough answers in some cases. So, yeah, you know, you, you definitely you get this peek behind the curtain um, and, and, you know, fine for us, I think <clears throat> the idea has been, like, where, like, in terms of stories, where does, like, policy come into play? Where Where is, where is their official business being discussed? Where is... Uh, Stuff like that that either has had an impact, does have an impact, or will have an impact yeah. directly. But like, yeah, all that, all that, all that other stuff is, is fascinating, and there's really some funny, funny stuff in there. There's definitely emails that, you know, give more of an impression of the personality type mm-hmm. of Lightfoot. You know, that she certainly reigns supreme and uh, over her administration. Uh, you know, that she has a tendency to micromanage. Um, that she. Uh, her her background as a lawyer certainly seems to uh, you know inform her leadership uh, you know style. So uh, yeah, there's tons of tons of tons of fascinating stuff. I mean, yeah, I think fun. still more and more to be seen. Uh, I, I you know I think that's kind of the the, the thing with, uh, with journalism in Chicago. Um, you know, it's like. The, the, the window for when something is news is limited, you know, like, you know, and in some cases it remains news longer than in other cases, you know, like the killing of Adam Toledo, you know, like that remained news for a couple of weeks, you know, uh, but now that it's not news, it's not news, you know, yeah. so with any of these things, it's like, you kind of got to, you know, strike while the iron's hot. And that's why our whole idea is like try to tee up as many stories as possible. That kind of uh, <laughs> fell by the wayside, but uh, we're we're still here, kind of trying to go through some of this stuff, uh, find stuff that's relevant. To, by the to way, lives. the the Joanna Klonsky that Tom Shuba alluded to, yes, that is the same Joanna Klonsky who used to be a frequent guest on the Ben Jarowski show. Uh, not so much uh, since Mayor Lightfoot got like, they don't like me anymore, Tommy. You know, uh, what can yeah. I tell you? And you uh, know what? I, I, don't, I don't mean to take any, any hit yeah. at Joanna. You know, for years she's been uh, a helpful resource of mine and, um, you know, I think will, you know, continue to do her job well. But, you know, and there's a reason why someone like Joanna Klonsky is kind of given leeway in being able to pop into high-level conversations among the mayor staff her uh, input and insight is valued because she 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 knows what she's doing. Yeah, she's a, a smart political strategist, and uh, she was my my friend before she went to work for Mayor Lori, Lori Lightfoot. And I assure her she'll be my friend afterwards, even if I don't approve of everything that Mayor Lori Lightfoot does. Uh, all right, Tom, I want to uh, thank you for coming on the show, and I'll be following your work. You uh, hinted. See, Tom's old school journalist, even though he's a young guy, he's not going to reveal what story he's working on. He just hinted there's more to come. And uh, so we're always promoting your stories. You do a great job. 
Uh, and uh, we appreciate the work you guys do at the Bright One. So keep it up, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. All right, Tom? All right, boys. Why don't we go into a White Sox game, man? Any day. Best team Fr- in baseball. Yeah, I, I got my shots. I was just talking about this with another friend of mine. I love the White Sox. I'm through with the Cubs. I'm, I cannot take the Ricketts. This is bad, not Tom. I cannot take those freaking Ricketts. So I used to root for both teams. Now I'm not. Forget it. Yes, best watch, team at base. How do you watch the Cubs now? I mean, like, it's that's what I love. And in the last couple of weeks, I turned on the White Sox game in the fifth inning. They're up by, like, 12 runs. <laughs> yeah, and then now they're criticizing Tony LaRouche because he said – you know, he created, yeah, you know what? Leave Tony. I'm no, going to go off on this thing. No, Leave Tony, Tony LaRusso alone. Tony is taking the flat, man. First of all, look at how that pitching staff is performing. These are guys, young pitchers in some cases, who are in crux years of their careers. That pitching staff is performing like it's performing because Tony LaRusso is. I'm with you 100%. I'm like Tony LaRusso. I think he's done a good job. And some of my colleagues, uh, in the general sense of the word, at the Chicago Sun-Times are a little too critical of him. I'm just saying that. Uh, we will uh, attend a game in June. I promise you that. We're gonna do, I'm going to get out and go to a White Sox game. They're going to expand the number of people who can go in. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so, uh, Tom Shuba, take care. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. We're going to take a break. When we return, Atiba Buchanan from WVON will be joining us. We'll be right back with the great Atiba Buchanan.